October 29, 2022. It's a for Pedro Show. And uh, besides that, uh, without any exercise, uh, your uh, sex, and uh, what do you do daily at home or just outside if you have time, so-called leisure time? Well, I haven't, I haven't had much leisure time oh. in the uh, last 15 years. And, uh, last 15? 15 years. I haven't had much leisure time. Mm. And uh, when I get any, I, I'm usually so tired till I just go somewhere and just lay around, you know, mm-hmm. for two weeks or if I can get two weeks. And uh, most of the time, my mind's still on music. Ah. Pedro Show. Happy Saturday. Start off the show. John Coltrane explaining what he does with his leisure time to Kazuaki Sujimoto in Tokyo in 1967. And then we had L1011 with Jay June or Yayuna. And because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me half L1011, Christian Dunn. Welcome. Man, I'm so happy to be here, Mike. I can't believe you even know who I am, let alone want to talk to me. This is really exciting for me. All right. Humility's a virtue. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, actually about a year ago, I found out because of the Joyful Music people. And I tried getting a hold of you then. I wrote an email, maybe somewhere in an email thing, there's a plea from Watts saying, please come on 
Watt from Pedro's. You're kidding. Well, I didn't I know anything about that. And I, yeah, well, uh, that's what I thought. You probably didn't get it. It happens. I'm kind of in the, dump, in the dump, dumpster uh, folder. <laughs> yeah, but it was something. There was some like email address, I think, at your website or something, and I, and I wrote to that. Oh uh, well, yeah, I probably went into spam. Sorry, yeah. but here we are. We did it. Yeah, yeah. Like Mr. Wells learned us, there's no wine before it's time. Right. Yeah. So look, let's just, start with your, uh, investigating your journey through music. Please bring your earliest musical recollection. Remember, it's the Watford Pedro show. There's no hard questions. There's no wrong answers. My mu my earliest musical recollection. Uh, gosh, when I was a kid, I was super obsessed with music. And most of the music I was hearing was e either on TV, just from TV shows, uh, or what my parents were playing, which was a weird combination of Johnny Cash and Beethoven. Which now that I think about it, probably did inform the way L ten eleven sounds. But, but, uh, and I don't think it's weird because music is music. That genre shit has been a bum rush. Yeah, yeah, that's for Fuck sure. That shit. We're getting rid of it anyway. We're getting rid of it, right? It's it's over. It's tired. And so it was marketing men trying to make their jobs easier. Some kind of shortcut on the truth thing is my uh, guess. But so your earliest musical memory is hearing sounds from your folks, which is Beethoven and Johnny Cash. Yeah, and hearing the theme song to Land of the Lost in our dishwasher. You know, I, I would hear music everywhere, but I thought it, I would kind of hide that because I thought it was weird because none of my friends were talking about that, so I kind of hit it. But I was definitely obsessed with music from a very, very young age. The nail that sticks up gets hammered down. Yeah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, everybody required reading. William Golden, Lord of the Flies, people, how beautiful children are to each other with the bullying shit. Uh, when we escape it somehow or survive. In this pad you grew up, where was this? So this was in Northern California in the okay. safe suburbs. Okay, okay. Now, yeah. was there any instruments in the pad? No. I mean, it's really weird. My parents have no musical abilities at all. That, that's okay. Uh, that's okay. I think I got it from my, my maybe my grandma. My grandmother was a really great artist, painter. Uh -huh. um, so I think it probably came down from her. But no, there's no musicians in the what family. About, it was what weird. about school? Were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that? Yeah, so I when I was in fourth grade, I think, I started playing clarinet. I played clarinet for a couple years, and I actually quite liked it. But the music I was playing at school in the orchestra wasn't what I was listening to at home because by that point, I discovered rock. And I kind of wanted to be playing rock music, but you can't really do that on a clarinet, or at least I probably should have tried to do it on a clarinet because that would have been cool. But yeah, there at was the a time, band here in Pedro in the late 70s called the plebes and they had a clarinet player and and i'll tell you That's something cool. trippy roxy music right it's got a song called out of the blue oh, yeah. and i think yeah, fucking yeah. andy mckay's rocking an oboe i know and if i would have heard that at the time i probably would have taken a shot at it but instead <laughs> i just begged and begged and begged my That's dad to right. rent me a <laughs> liquor stick had its heyday it was you know Artie shaw and because it could cut through you know in the big band thing it was big Big time. Oh, yeah. You listen to someone like Betty Benny Goodman just shredding, and it's like, wow, and what an he, incredible instrument. He, but I was nowhere anything like that. And that man mm -hmm. is bitching because he hires Charlie Christian, who plays, uh, you know, brings in the electric guitar. And what Diz Gillespie, Charlie Parker, say, he actually brings in bebop because now, you, you know, you had amplifier. You could play single note lines. Before, everybody wasn't a fucking horn was in the rhythm section just to keep up with that blare. You know? I know it. 
Yeah, yeah, and and Benny Goodwin was a badass too because he was insisting on black musicians playing with him in white clubs. I mean, he was the first like sort of civil rights leader in a way because he just he was really popular and he told yeah, the you got a good the club point. owners, you "Fuck, got a good guys are playing." Because you know that's probably the way how things change, right? Follow the money, and uh, thank God for him. Uh, now Charlie Christian got uh, yeah. TB and died at twenty five. It's very sad. But uh, man, what an incredible it's cat! And, and, I, and thank you, Mr. I was Griffin. just thinking about. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just thinking about uh, the guy. I was watching this great documentary on ron carter last night and i was thinking about those those old school guys who were so inventive and i was thinking about paul chambers and how young he was when he died it's just brutal just horrible yeah paul chambers incredible bass man up john coltrane yeah. wrote a song for him mr pc and ron carter really good too piccolo man last bunch of years and incredible yeah. he's in a elvin jones documentary you see on youtube.com called different drummer it's only a half hour but he narrates it and it's oh. really interesting ron carter beautiful man beautiful man beautiful musician too uh now let's let's get back to your journey so you're, you're on the clarinet at school because you like music but you want to get yeah maybe um, well how you end up on bass well when i where I was growing up, the Bay Area, and this is, you know, early, well, late 70s, early 80s, there were basically three rock stations on the radio. And back then we listened to the radio. There was no Internet. So it was two stations that we would now call classic rock. Uh, and then one station that was, I guess you would call a new wave or something like they were playing. Oh, I, early Depeche Mode and The Cure and The Smiths and stuff like that. And oh, that was what really that. was, I mean, I love the classic rock stuff too, but the, the new wave, for lack of a better term, stuff was really, really grabbing at me. And that music tended to have a lot of really great bass activity, a lot of lead bass kind of stuff, you know, like New Order. No, so that I, was what, the what, what I was going to cool. mention to you, uh, the college stations like uh, KUSF and uh, Cal uh, the Berkeley, uh, you, you weren't hip to that. Oh yeah, yeah, I was, but I couldn't. I couldn't receive most of them because okay. they, they weren't very powerful. <laughs> the one a, that I could get was uh, um, KFJC, which is still there. It's a fantastic sure, station, sure. but it's I think small. Lost Hills. And they everything, man. They play anything you could think of. Is great. Right, right, and uh, KPFA too. The first Pacifica stations from up there. Yeah, and so there was yeah. some stuff besides yeah, power rock or whatever. They, those stations yeah, are so yeah, exactly. corny. I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, but you know, uh, yeah, the college stations didn't have the biggest broadcaster uh, uh, power things, and then you, somebody had to turn you on to it. Probably they're way over on the left end of the dial. Uh, what was the first record you bought with your own money, Chris? Uh, it was the soundtrack to Star Wars. Okay, and, uh, and what was the first gig you saw? Uh, Def Leppard. <laughs> Oh yeah, you told me in an email. You told me in an email. Opening. That was great. I was psyched. I wasn't a huge Def Leppard fan or anything. I was just so excited to be at a concert, you know, even though we were in the back and it sounded terrible. Okay, I want to play. I want to play arguing with Hurricane.
like to help the small wooden creatures. I like to help the ones who can't help themselves. What does God know? What does God know? Oh
for Pedro's show. Start off that chunk of music, arguing with hurricanes, as you could probably uh, decipher from the little spiel. Of, it's a side project Kristen done with a singer from Norway. Ira Amu after that. Uh, uh, Will Hamilton's little song cycle. This chapter is Study of Rain, Hit, and Gutter. And brand new from Garrett T. Caps in Nassau Country. I think I said Nassau County last episode. Sorry. Garrett didn't mean to be such a fucking ignorant, stupid asshole. Uh, people are beautiful. Great sentiment. No, Noemi Bucci after that with Taking the Train with Mr. Shark. A vast tight string conspiracy for Planet Lounge. No, the tune is Planet Lounge. And the brother Benji in North Carolina. I'm not part of a project with him and Scotty Irvin, Makota from Acid Mother uh, Temple. Uh, yeah, you know where you trade the files? It's one of those. And it's pretty, it's intense. I love it. It's coming soon. Uh, vast, uh, no, Headboggle, Land of Elves. I just did, that's uh, East Bay, Derek, and I uh, just did three, bass for three of his songs. I love uh, collaborating people over the internet. Uh, only now, with Endless Defeat, 99 Letters, brand new. Again, uh, Itsu Tohi. Uh, Samuel Lockward, uh, we put out this thing. He got hit by a bus and almost killed. So part of the therapy was making a record. This tune from it, What Does God Know? Black Dye, he's got a new record. Uh, something about like introducing Rick Champagne. Maybe he's, he's got a new persona. And uh, if, if, if you don't know about him, he's the brains behind dwarves. It's over. High Quick Crack out of Texas with Swoon Age. Chris Coates and his partner. Or maybe it's the other way around, right? And then L1011. The morning with her having coffee. And uh, I, I remember that airplane. That, that, that. There was a point in time, people, where airliners had three motors, some of them. And that was one of them. <laughs> now I only see those three-motor ones, uh, like cargo, when I go by the cargo part uh, on the way to LAX. And there was a DC-10, yeah. and there was a, the first one was a little guy called the 727 that I think uh, D.B. Cooper used to walk down the stairs and get away with that skyjack. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Jumped out the back. Well, walked down the stairs, right, with a parachute. Uh, yeah. Anyway, back to your journey with the music. So, you, you, I asked you how you got on the bass. You brought up uh, some modern rock radio. Yeah. And then I um, randomly saw a, a reggae band playing, and I, I'm not really into reggae, but you know, reggae, the bass is the lead instrument. Oh, yeah. I, I saw Bob Marley so, and Family Man. You would have dug it, I think, Chris. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's quite <laughs> fantastic. It just, you know what I hate, Mike? As I hate imitators. I hate somebody brilliant comes out like that, and yeah. then there's just so many people imitating, and it just gets boring, you know? Yeah, I understand. I understand, because they're sleepwalking on cruise control. Yeah, music, exactly. Music's and too so violent. anyway, I thought bass was cool, and I, like I said, I begged my dad to rent me one, and he finally gave in and rented me a bass, and here we are. <laughs> what, what kind of bass was your first one? It was a a no name. It literally didn't have a name on it, but it was a Fender copy. I think it was supposed to be a Fender Precision, but it had a couple little switches on it that didn't do anything. Right. And then what about, I got what so about into it, I finally down? begged my dad to buy me one, and so I got a Fender Bullet bass. What about? Uh, uh, was, I remember those. They were kind of Cono version. What was the first amp? 
it was a PV, a PV. No, no, it wasn't. No, I take that back. It was a Roland, a little Roland amp that actually sounded pretty cool. But then I started playing in a band and it just wasn't loud enough. So then for my eighth grade graduation, my parents got me a PV amp that was probably 150 watts or something. So I could actually hear myself when I played with my band. So when you were first playing, it was man alone, what, like to records? Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I was taking lessons, but the guy I was taking lessons from was actually a guitar player. And pretty quickly, I was kind of better than he was at bass in a way. So I was just listening to records, trying to figure out what these guys were doing. And I would record stuff on my little cassette and then, you know, play it, try to figure out how to play it on the bass, then play it again on the cassette, you know, over and over, trying to figure stuff out. It was great ear training, actually. And, uh, but him, like, treating it like a four string guitar. That's how the teacher was. Yeah. yeah he, he, he used to pick it. I mean, he showed me how to use my fingers and everything. Uh, I think pick is okay but, on the bass. I don't think it makes it a guitar because, you know, it's all vocabulary when it comes to that shit. Slapping fingers, thumb, pick. I think. Oh, yeah. And I, one time I saw John Entwistle solo, and he did all that shit one, too. I swear. Yeah, I, I, I shit thee not. Great. I don't think I'm there's a, there's it, a, I was just worried that since he was a guitar player that maybe he wouldn't know how to teach me the fingers but he did it was it was fine you know there's there's uh, something about a pick you can do that you can't do with fingers you know that the, uh, there's a cat in san diego spy of a great bass man and he knows how to like hold the pick on his palm with the ring finger while the other fingers are doing plucking so he can just pull it in there whenever he needs it yeah i used to do that too but then i got in the habit of just putting the pick in my mouth which is probably bad but that's what i do <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't swallow it uh, yeah, that's one good thing about fingers. You don't have to worry about losing picks or it's a little hard, a little harder. And, uh, yeah, I didn't use a pick for 17 years. At first I had to, with the movement start and I couldn't play fast enough. And, and uh, I was helping yeah, Jay Maskus. And so, uh, did you start, you know, you're learning stuff by copy of records. That's the way me and D Boone did. But did you start composing? I did, but, uh, you know, it was pretty crappy. And back then, I didn't have any way to record or anything. Okay. Uh, and then I, you know, joined the band and we started Monkey. We were just doing No, covers, tell, tell we, me about this band. This is your first oh, band, okay. right? Your first band. Yeah, it's just, just other guys from school. Sure. Um, it was called Dogs, <laughs> Dogs in Moscow. <laughs> Dogs in Moscow? And, uh, yeah, and we would play covers and eventually we got pretty good at it i mean pretty good for kids you know we would play parties and eventually we started playing dances like homecoming dances and stuff like that and making a little money not a lot but you know the fact that we got paid anything was blowing our minds was it was a quartet uh it was five piece so it was singer me on bass guitar drums and keyboards okay wow the full full-fledged thing do you remember the first dogs in moscow gig Oh, yeah, of course. That was my first gig I ever played was the Battle of the Bands at my junior high. It was kind of and, a school uh, thing? Say again? It was kind of a school thing, like a, an event? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was a school thing. There was, there was, I think, three other bands that and they, they weren't kids from our school. They were, they seemed like they were adults to me, but maybe they were just in high school or something. But uh, we won, but I'm, I'm not sure if we won because we were good or just because we were just kids from the school and the other kids wanted us to win and beat beat the big guys or something i don't know well how'd, how'd they pick the winner was there a vote or something yeah they they gave everybody a, a ticket or something and then they put bowls out each band had a bowl and you put your ticket in whichever bowl you thought the, the best band was now how long did I this band 
How long did this band oh, last? I lost you. What was it? How long did this band last? Oh, uh, pretty much all the way through high school with some members changing here and there. And then we all kind of went our separate ways, you know, going off to college or work or whatever it was. So, think, so it ended. And did you think about going to higher education to continue research and base? Yeah, I did. I went to San Diego State and uh, I actually got in as a journalism major because I didn't know how to read music well enough to take the tests for the music department. But once I was in, I switched majors and I studied uh, music and got my ass kicked. I, I studied jazz, uh, studied you know classical theory, all that kind of stuff. Did, and you, it was, get a, did you get a stand-up bass? I did. Um, I didn't use it much at school, actually. They were fine with me using the electric bass guitar because mostly I was playing jazz combos. I never played in the, the classical orchestras. I just uh, had to take classes in it. So you never uh, you never learned Arco? Well, I did later, um, oh, after okay. college, actually, because okay. um, I, I wanted to be able to do it. And it's, it's really hard. So I did learn it but i never got very good at it i was really getting into it right about the time l1011 was starting to catch on and i got so busy speaking with of paul 11, chambers that, put it away. speaking of paul chambers that guy could rock the arco <laughs> fucking he was so good jimmy garrison too uh, <laughs> there's something about you know that that thing and when it when the whole band's playing you don't realize it but man when they solo you know because it turns into like a keyboard because of the drone sound but uh, yeah, but incredible cats. And there, there's two ways, right? French and German, the way you hold the bow. Yeah, exactly. And I learned German. Um, the French was kind of tough because it's the, the bow itself is smaller and you have to kind of jam your thumb in there. But uh-huh. German, you flip hand around. So your hands kind of under the bow, if that makes under sense. The, yeah, underhand instead of overhand. Right. Right. Yeah. right. And they're, um, they're actually they're both hard, though. They're actually physically different, too. I didn't know that. I thought it was just t- different techniques. Okay. No, the bows themselves are different. Like a French bow, if you look at it uh, from the profile, it, it's it's smaller. the The distance from the string, uh, the strings to the bow itself, is smaller okay. on a French bow and on a German. Yeah, yeah. You know, probably pluses and minuses. Humans are very innovative sometimes. Uh, look, we're at yeah, the end I, of the first hour, October 29, twenty twenty two. Special guest, Kristen Dunn. Hold tight for hour two. <laughs> October 29, 2022, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with L1011 to an entropy. And then, now this ain't brand new, but the release is. It was actually recorded, I think, six years ago. This is Alex Zhang Huntai with his uh, Portuguese buddies, Suso Marhana Farandini with K2 Side A. Back in the ring with uh, music again and stuff. I think his headquarters in Brooklyn. And then Queen's Gambit, L1011. So, you were about to say L-1011. This happened when you were at, uh, doing music school at when you were an Aztec. I was. Yeah, good job, yes. No, one time I played on those steps. I think Firehose gig on the steps of uh, Cal State San Diego. The other one was in La Jolla, right? The, the, and there was a Trident pub. I played on both campuses. One's a UC school, one's a Cal State. Yeah, I saw you. In fact, I, I think I met you at the Triton Pub gig. You wouldn't remember, but uh, I remember seeing Firehose. And I remember, oh, here's a nice memory. My okay. singer, yeah, my singer in the band that I was in at the time, Shane, who's actually still, he tours with us uh, as he does sells our merch and uh, helps us with production and stuff. Anyway, we were going to see Firehose. We were all excited. He said, man, you better hope Mike, Mike Watt breaks a string because it's incredible to watch him change his string. He changes it so fast you won't believe it. I said, really? He said, yeah. So we went to the show, and we were watching. And sure enough, he broke a string. He's like, time it, dude, time it, because he knew I had a watch. So <laughs> I, I looked at my watch, and as you're talking to the crowd and changing your string, standing up, and I, my memory is that you changed it in 37 seconds. And those of you who are not bass players who are listening to this, changing a bass string in 37 seconds is impossible, especially standing up. So me and my friend Shane were just totally blown away that you changed a, a string. Yeah, standing but up I, I had a lot of practice. I got to say, Christian, I had a lot of practice. There's sometimes I break three or four strings in one night. So after a while, <laughs> you probably get quick at it, too. In fact, I would keep a pack of strings in my back waistband. Now, oh, would you? <laughs> yeah, now I did break a string back in September last month at Atlanta's Bangs B Day party, but I hadn't done that in a while, and because uh, my hands ain't as strong. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's one thing is life goes on, but I had a lot of practice changes. You're right, I did get to do them fast, but I just hated that downtime. You know, it was kind of awkward, and so you would try to spiel to people and. Yeah. And I, no, never, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. Back then I was, well, I think when you're younger, you know, it was the same when I was younger. You, you play harder, you play faster. Yeah, it's yeah, just part of being young. Also, I would go for this real sharp attacks, you know, to make the bass mm. stick out. Yeah. And that was like deadly, especially at, with the saddle, right? And, I, and the bass, yeah. I would think I was using a Telecaster then with this big ass a bridge Kramer made for Fender called the Claw. This thing was a boat anchor, man. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that uh, that bass got stolen. It's out there somewhere. So, oh really? It. Yeah, nice. I wouldn't shit you. I was on tour with uh, Black Gang in the late '90s. My sister called, "Hey, Mike, Michael White, you uh, broke in and stole your shit." One of the basses came back to me, but then it got stolen with the studio shit. So maybe they're meant to be uh -huh. stolen and shit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, t tell me what led to L1011 coming together, please. Uh, let's see. Well, I was this, I'm trying to think when this was. So this would have been uh, early 2000s, 2001. I was playing bands and had been playing in bands. And every band I was in was either a democracy or there was one sort of dictator. 
<laughs> um, which sounds bad. That I think that's okay. I, I think in, in a band situation, if somebody has a vision, I think it's fine to have that one person be the leader and everybody else kind of support him. I, that that's great. But I decided or, or, or I wanted at least, to do a project uh, where at, I, at least the that was me, you know. At least the focus maintainer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which and that's cool. I, I'm I'm down with that. But I just I wanted to be the focus maintainer, uh, <laughs> the wish so, granter. <laughs> and as a bass player, you know, people are like what you you want to be the lead guy and you're the bass player. I'm like, yes, I do. I was in the same um, place, and then I found out about Richard Hill. I could not believe that the bass player led the band or even wrote the songs. So oh yeah. The, now you know once I once you go back and look, you find out there's actually lots of examples of it. But, I think um, even yes. But that that led me to think, well... You know really, this? Thought, yeah, Chris Squire. They tried to yeah. tour under that name. He said, no, go diggy die, because that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a, that's a little John Wayne Texas funeral. <laughs> you right know there. about that, right? <laughs> oh, okay. so good. Yeah, I know, I know. I think... Uh, <laughs> Man. Billy Bob. I think they ended up with uh, two bass players, but one of them was Billy Bob. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, you want to be the shot caller. So L1011 is your baby. Yeah, it is. I mean, I thought when I got Tim, my drummer, I figured we would probably be a trio. I didn't ask at the time. I was really kind of sick of the sound of guitar. And I thought maybe we'll get a keyboard player or something. I don't know. And then Tim, my drummer, said, have you ever heard of a, a looping pedal? And I said, no. And he explained it to me. And I said, oh, yeah, I think I know someone who has one of those. So I I borrowed a looping pedal <laughs> from Joey Warnaker, actually. The Joey. Oh, Here's yeah, the trippy and, thing about Joey. He can do two, yeah. hi -hat, two hi-hats at one time, right? The toe and the heel.
talking yeah. off air about Jory Wanerker. Go check off the archives because he was on the show last year. He's a beautiful man. Okay, Concatenation from Mission Sun started off that chunk of music. Then we had Henry Kaiser and Rome Yamalov with What About Your Daughter? Rubber O. Cement, East Bay, Oaktown. Silver Cyanite Chloral Blast. Ray Shin after that with North Beach out of reach. North Beach, Molinari's, man. Good fucking salami. They make it in the <laughs> back, people. And then out 1011, Largate. So, okay, so drummer man Tim is the fucking Einstein with the suggest on the looping pedal. What, tell me about the first Del 1011 gig. Mm. That was um, that was really encouraging. So we, we only had four songs together, I think, and we opened for ourselves. We were playing in, a, in another band. Tim was the drummer. I was the bass player. No, not doing any looping or anything, but we were in another band called The Soft Lights, and we had a gig in San Diego and I asked the singer of the soft lights if we L1011 could be the opening band. And he said, sure. So we did it. We played four songs and it went really well. Like the, the crowd, you know, it wasn't a bunch of my friends just cheering me on. It was strangers who were cheering us on and were, were seemingly truly moved by what we did. So that gave us a lot of encouragement to, to go forward with it and really try to make this our thing. I mean, we I was pretty sure it was going to work anyway, but Tim was definitely not not sure. <laughs> you know, there's no singer, the bass player, or drummer. I don't know. And, but we did it, and it, it what, worked. What was the difference between L1011 and Soft Lights? Was there a radical well, – was those uh, you and Tim's songs in Soft Lights? No, that was one of those ones where that was oh, you're helping out somebody friend. else. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend Ron, who I'm still is a close friends with, he's a great singer, and he he was the songwriter, the the main guy, and it was a full band. There was a keyboard player, drums, bass, you know, Ron played guitar, and it was a great band. I love that band actually. We, so there was a, there was a, a contrast. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. I've been in situations. I remember I was on tour. And the two opening bands, I was in them too. It was like I never get off the stage. It was like, yeah. now you can play with me. Now you can play with me. <laughs> I felt so weird about that. But it was it was not planned. It just happened out that way. But there's something about bands having their own, you know, personas. I, I, I love that. You know, and it can be, for example, Who's Could Do, Meet Puppets, Minutemen, all three trios, but playing the exact same stuff but sounding different. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, if, if they're good musicians, the personalities will come through the instruments, you know. Okay, okay. I'm glad to hear that from you. Okay, so you only had four songs, so the band was just getting started. Uh, you said you didn't know how to record yourself. By this time, do you? Oh, yeah, yeah. By, by this time, I've got Pro Tools, and I'm doing lots of different Because I was yeah. wondering what, if, if L1011 was self-recorded. Well, we, so the first record, we did the drums at a real, quote unquote, a real recording studio. I think we did it at Swing House, that place in L.A. Sure. Practice band, um, actually. Warren, yeah, the practice place. Warren Hewitt, uh, I think is how you pronounce his name, recorded us. Now he's gone on to be a pretty darn big producer. But we recorded the drums there because we just couldn't figure out how to do the drums ourselves. Then I did everything else at home on Pro Tools. Yeah. 
second record we i had a little garage that we turned into a studio and we, we recorded the drums ourselves and did everything ourselves and then after that we started getting you know a little bit bigger and started actually going to uh recording studios with engineers until fast forward to just a few years ago i think it was bankers hill was our first one where we actually had a producer and okay, we'll get to that. We'll get fan. to that because we ran out of time. Second hour is all done of October 29, 2022. This is Peter special guest, Christian Donald, type hour three. October 29, <laughs> 2022. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pete
Off for Pedro Show. We start off the third hour with L1011. You are enough. Then Moldoman out of Baltimore with Long Distance Butterfly. Then Meta Meta, uh, L1011. Hope it's nothing to do with that fake look, dude. <laughs> but maybe it is. Maybe he deserves it. Tell me about the L1011 songwriting. I'm, I'm curious, uh, the, the, the songwriting process. Is it jams that are like coalesced into like, you, you tell me, Chris. Uh, it's it's both. Like sometimes it's Tim and me in the practice room just jamming away, and something comes up. Like, oh, cool, record that. Maybe that'll turn into something. And sometimes it's me just at home, you know, with my bass and recording my laptop, and then coming up with ideas. And oh, so you make, I use, um, make like demos? Yeah, yeah, make demos. Okay. I a few years ago I started using. I don't record in Logic, but I use the drums from Logic because they have there's drums in there that actually have feel. So I'd use those just to to instead of a freaking you know just a click or something. Yeah. So so I can come up with ideas, and then I send that off to Tim. And well, and lately I've been sending it off to Sonny, our producer too. And see what those guys think, and they come back with comments, and then uh, the ones that pass muster, then you know Tim and I will get together in the rehearsal space and do it do it live. And has Tim ever has Tim ever said, you know what, I dig that bass, but I don't want to play that robot drum part. Oh yeah, like, almost every time. I, <laughs> I just put it out there, Chris. <laughs> but, I just put it out. There. I tell, I say, look, man, this this drum part I have in here. This is just a glorified metronome. You yeah, it's a placeholder. It's a placeholder. Yeah. yeah, but half the time he's like, but it's actually pretty good, man. I think I do want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Shows to go, you're right. Some, you know, sometimes a rhythm track is worth a million words. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the, the kick pattern maybe is cool, but he wants to do something different on the hi-hat. It's like, yeah, right. great. All right. Right, and here's the thing I found. It's hard to get those robot guys, unless you're really good at programming those things, to follow the changes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's something about, you know, just going from the hi-hat to the ride cymbal, right, a texture change. It can make it, you know, the the ambient of that part of that song on its journey, right? Oh, yeah, it can make a big difference. Right, yeah, right, for right. Sure. All kinds of things. Drummers are so key, so key. I like the way uh, you guys, uh, the pictures I've seen of you playing live. Was it always that way? What do you mean? Your setup. Uh, well, I'm not exactly sure what pictures you've seen, <laughs> but uh, yeah. we've because uh, we've been a band for 20 years. I'm not yeah. evading your question. I'm just not exactly sure what. Well, 20. Okay, asking. let's talk about my bands. 20 years ago is when I first started putting the drummer at the front of the stage. That was a big mistake. Oh, okay. Minutemen should have had yeah. Georgie way up front. Well, you should be in the rear with all the gear. Oh yeah, that's okay. Oh, so that's what you mean. Okay, yeah. So we from the very beginning it was always side by side. So yeah, I liked it. Because, right. yeah. uh, again, you said some kind of sense of hierarchy to maintain the focus, but maybe not with, you know, the persona. Oh, no, no, no. Live. And, no, no. It's 50-50 live. Like, Tim's up at the front with me. I hate it. Every once in a while, we play a venue where he kind of has to be behind me. Oh, I the way hate it is. that so much. And I fucking yeah. hate it. I'm right. I, want him, I don't want it to seem like he's just backing me. No, it's... Yeah. That's the band. And what about, you know, I learned this from uh, playing with the Porno for Pyros guys. They had this song called Bali Eyes, but the, the eye contact, they really got me into that shit. That's a whole other dimension than like, hey, I'll see you at the finish line, you know. The icon, wait, what did you say? The icon? Yeah, what? eye contact, like between the players. The men and men oh, came, like I would look over, but, you know, I didn't get reciprocal, especially with Georgie. He goes, I got to hold your hand too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's part of the reason I like to be stage right. Yeah. Is so I can look right up from my neck and look right at Tim. Because sure. we, I'm super busy. My hands are busy. My feet are busy. Sure. And sometimes I just have to give him a look. 
Yeah. So what? What I we have little tiny signals to each other. Like cue, if I wink cue, at it, it means cue, around right? again. Like cues. Yeah, cues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or just oh, you know what? Hey, you know what? I blew it. I need to go around one more time before we go to the next part because I got to loop this thing. You know. Oh yeah. Okay. Like I'm in trouble. That that cue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I want to play here. Uh, my only swerving.
show. <laughs> Tripping on John Wayne, people. That never ends. It's a gift that never stops giving. Uh, my Only oh. Swerving started that chunk of music off. The last music for this episode. L1011. Then we had Model Home. This is uh, part two of two. Last week, last episode, we played uh, part one of them doing this live gig in England at the White Hotel on June 8, 2022. And finally, Jumping Frenchman of Maine, L1011. Close to the Quebecois there. Um, so, you know, uh, where does titles come in when you're composing? Um, I usually have... So I have a giant list on my phone. Just anytime something comes to me, I just put it down just in case I want to use it later. That one, you, you just played um, Jumping Frenchman of Maine. That's a real syndrome. And it's these, apparently these, I guess they were Frenchmen who were lumberjacks up in Maine. This is you know more than 100 years ago. They had this syndrome where if you, you know, said hello to them from behind, they would jump and get startled. And... Um, my girlfriend at the time had that. At least I think she did. I would just come around the corner in the house and say, hey, sweetie. And she would go, ah! And she would jump. And um, that music, that that song, that was kind of a different direction for us at the time. It was, you know, pretty dancey stuff. And it, I just, when she would jump like that, it would look like she was dancing in a way. So it was sort of <laughs> a combination of things there. Yeah. Now, I asked that because I have to start my songs with the title so I have focus. But almost all, every guest that got on, they put the titles on last. But you keep a whole buttload of them on reserve. Okay. Yeah, I what? do. I, I, well, usually, I, I ask people about this. I'd say you know? 90% of the time it's the music first, then the title. Okay, okay. It's it's just trippy, the, all the different ways we uh, go about. Have you seen an, yeah. evo an evolution with L1011 as far as composing? Oh, yeah, yeah, big time. I mean, part of it's the equipment, part of it's my playing, part is part of it's recording. A, uh, a big, big part of it is having a producer, a really good producer. He Kristen, really, uh, really helped me a lot. Kristen, explain about how equipment, because, you know, it seems like maybe it was in the old days, too, but I wasn't so aware. But people are really hung up on gear these days, it seems. They just want to talk about having the right stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of silly. I think I think a great artist will make great art. You know that line, I think it's from The Departed, where he says, hey, hey I'm an artist. Give me a tuba, I'll get you something out of it. I feel like... Well, I know whatever... this quote from John Coltrane. He said, you can play a shoestring if you're sincere. Yeah, so I think if I, whatever gear I have, I'll, I could come up with something, I think. I'm not being cocky. I just, I, I think I can. But when I do get a new piece of gear, I'm, I'm not a gear or a nerd or anything, but I'll get a new pedal that just makes my bass sound different. And when I play the bass, it's sounding different than I've heard before. And that just inspires me to do something that I haven't done before. So that is automatically going to make the music evolve. Whether so in a way, or not. in a way, like the old days, they didn't have boxes, right, or effects. Right. But what you did, you got on another instrument. So in a way, it's like getting on yeah. another instrument. It is. It really is. And then I do get it. You know, I have way too many basses. You probably do too. But no, I cut I would, it down. I cut it down. I have I use short scale for gigs because my hands get too sore for the last 20 years. And then for recording, yeah. I got a 56P bass, a 66 Thunderbird, and a 96 Moon, which is kind of like a, it's the, 
Larry Graham model. It's kind of like a Fender Jazz in Tokyo. And then I got this little fucking Hofner Beetle bass that I keep. I think you were telling me you got a club by Hofner. Yeah. These little tiny guys with little flats that I always keep where I conk so I can just pick it up and compose anytime I want with it. But uh, yeah, that's that... but uh, how many bases do you think you got? Oh, I don't know, a dozen or something? There was a time, you know, because I was touring before internet, even before Vintage Guitar Magazine. So all these pawn shops didn't know what each other had, so you could get shit really econo. I do it. Casa Hanzo has a Les Paul signature. I got Smyrna, Georgia for 300 bucks. Oh, uh, wow. But, yeah, it's it's a trip about that now. Uh, and and maybe... Uh, yeah, they, they they do they do have different personalities and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, you know with that that Hoffner we're talking about the Hoffner. I got sure. the I think it's called the Ignition Club. Club. Bass. Yeah. I'm looking at it. Now. Yeah, it's semi hollow and you know with flats on it. Which and I've never had a bass like that before, a thumpy bass. And uh, I started writing on that, and the music is completely different from anything I've done before. It was so different. I thought maybe I might have to start a side project or something. It really yeah, is. Yeah. They are different. They got their own trip. Yeah, I, I, I love it. Look, we're at the end of the fucking show, so I got to have you back on. How close are you to making another record? Oh, we, we have one in the can that's coming out in February. When this so. thing comes out, will you come back on the show? And then Shit, we don't have to. Man, I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> that way we don't have to be the past. We can be right current with the L1011 experience. I'm down. Thank you so okay. much, man. This is great. Right. Beautiful. Well, a bass brother, man, like Richard Hell, right? Running the band and writing the songs. I couldn't believe it. I put him on <laughs> a, pic, a picture of him on my bass in 1977, and it was like a line in the sand. People, you know, those so-called rock and rollers, right? Fuck you. And I was like, okay, fuck me. Fuck you back. Fuck you very much. <laughs> Kristen, thanks so much for being on the show. Can't wait to have you back on in February. People, been October 29, 2022 at Dishwap Peter Show. Keep your power. Water dry.